Hello, Pastor Steve Waldron with Biblically. We're so thankful you're here with us, and I'm so grateful to be your host. We're looking at the Dead Sea Scrolls from a Life Magazine 75th uh, year anniversary of it. A lot of great full-color pictures in this deal. I'm glad I picked it up. And so, but it's got some stuff I've never seen anywhere else also. It's just a great general overview. So let's get started. Thanks for being here. Please join us daily. Honor to be here with you and share with your friends, family, church family. Please leave a five-star review. It helps people find us and subscribe. So, and put on your social media, please. The ruins of the Qumran community, it's got a great picture where the Dead Sea Scrolls were covered while traveling in the region in the 1850s. French explorer Louis Felicon Joseph Cagniri de Solsi had famously identified the site as the ruins of the biblical city of uh, Gomorrah, though there was little substance to the claim. Also has a jar, a picture of a jar, one of the two jars, which a Bedouin shepherd found the first Dead Sea Scroll. But I've been to Qumran, it is pretty amazing. Uh, Deval identified Qumran ruins as the city of salt, mentioned in the biblical book of Joshua. Boy, it's right there on the Dead Sea. They may have thought that too. <laughs> it's brutally hot there. I'm just going to continue to read a little bit type things here. The Wadi Murabat Ravine runs east of Bethlehem, past the Herodium, the ancient ruins of King Herod's fortress, a lot of archaeology there too, to the Dead Sea, and about 11 miles south of Qumran, high up in the rock face of the valley. The Bedouin had found new fragments inscribed with Greek and Hebrew in a cave. So though they claimed that they had discovered them in the first Qumran cave, DeVos knew otherwise. The items were clearly different than what had already been found. When Harding, and they found like at least 11 different caves, maybe more than that now because they keep finding them. When Harding and DeVos learned the truth, they turned their attention to the wadi or valley, finding what they called large quantities of cloth, basketwork ropes, as well as parchment and pyroscope fragments inscribed in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. So most of the documents from the Second Temple period and as early as 300, 325 B.C., actually. So, I'm going to read just a little bit about the Essenes, who a lot of people think were the people who lived there. The Essenes were at least numerous of the different, you know, Sadducees, Pharisees, and that type of thing. Shunning pleasure and rejecting wealth, they believed that they were the only Jews who interpreted Holy Scriptures correctly. A lot of people just think John the Baptist either came from there or passed through there at some time. And while others had broken the covenant with God, they expected the imminent arrival of a Messiah or Messiahs, had one son of David, one son of Joseph, I think, at least some did, along with the angelic host of heaven would usher in an apocalyptic battle. Sinners would be punished and the righteous, the Essenes, would forge a new covenant inhabiting a new heaven new earth. Some people think there are Ebionites there as well after the day of Pentecost. In short, the Essenes were exactly the sort of organization whose mores and rituals reflected in the community rule scroll. And, you know, they had like daily baptisms there of themselves, all kinds of stuff. Got a great picture of the Arch of Titus here. Great close-up there. Um, 
the Copper Scroll. This is one that a lot of people are interested in. In the cave of the old washer's chamber on the third terrace, 65 ingots of gold. There's Christians hunting for this now. There's one of the most incredible pictures of it I've ever seen. It's by page, like it's on one and a half pages. The treasure map of the Copper Scroll is thought by many to be fiction. David Kramer, professor of Talmud and Rabbinics at the Jewish Theological Seminary, tells life, but why write it on copper? To me, to view it as actual guide to location of hidden treasures from Jerusalem Temple, treasury makes more sense. So that's incredible. I'm thinking about one of our former IBC students who became a rabbinical student there and working there in uh, uh, the Holy Land. So is it an ancient library? Was it? They were fleeing from Rome and took the manuscripts and hid them in the caves. This has been questions that have haunted them for a long time, people. The Damascus documents got a beautiful picture of it. Below reflects the rules and regulations of the community that settled in Qumran, giving tantalizing clues to their origin and referring to its leader, the teacher of righteousness. It's got another beautiful archaeological picture of uh, the Israeli ruins of Bit, or House of Zur, which served as a Maccabean fortress during the successful Hasmonean revolt against the Greek King Antiochus IV. So uh, that would have been, you know, 160s AD. Um, it's got a thing of the Hasmoneans. Here's a picture of this Wall Street Journal article. Talked about in one of the earlier episodes of this. Four Dead Sea Scrolls, biblical manuscripts dating back to at least 200 BC, are for sale. This would be an ideal gift to an educational or religious institution by an individual or group. Box F206, the Wall Street Journal. Miscellaneous for sale. I love it. It's got a picture of Yigo Yaden, who's really good. Archaeologist. And uh, talks about the war of the Holy Land. Got incredible close-ups here. Columns 5 and 6 of the Habakkuk Commentary Scroll, which like many of the other scrolls was digitized, can be found on the Israel Museum's website. It's absolutely incredible how well these are preserved, how well the orthography is. You know, how they did this. This is just unbelievable. Turning a few pages here. Uh, I did want to, I've done a podcast on Tisha B'Av. was observed in Jerusalem in 2009, the day of mourning. Prophet Isaiah attended by a seraph and a painting by Antonio Balistra, 1666-1740. I don't think cherubs look like that. Um, and now we've got sunrise over the Dead Sea. I wasn't there at sunrise. I was there when it was hot. And so now it's got a little thing back here about the Dead Sea Scrolls today and how it's just cutting-edge technology. Forgeries and new discoveries in the Cave of Skulls keep the mystery alive. In 2006, John Trevor died in his California home. G. Landlester Harding died in 1979, six years after attaining pop culture immortality as the model for the titular Jesuit priest Father Marin in The Exorcist, whose first name, please note, is... Lancaster, said the book's author, William Peter Blatty. So, 
the Dead Sea Scrolls for like 40 years. Source attention, nothing was getting done. All this changed in 1991 when one of the scholars and acknowledged anti-Semite named John Strugnell decided to publish a concordance of the non-religious scrolls. This was a potential threat to his colleagues because theoretically the text of all the scrolls could be reconstructed from it. For the most part, no one worried, however, because of the Herculean effort uh, and time involved would make the task pretty much impossible. But they had not counted on technology. Using what we eventually called the rabbi computer, a Talmud professor at Hebrew Union in Cincinnati broke the small cartel in the words of the New York Times when he used Strugnell's concordance to decipher the text. It made public in September 1991, the same month photographs of scrolls that had been housed in the Huntington Library of California were released. In the end, a total of about 800 Dead Sea Scrolls have been found, written, if not composed largely on parchment between 200 B.C. and 70 A.D., they include the earliest known copies of the Hebrew Bible, representing all 24 books except Esther, the language predominantly Hebrew, about 20% Aramaic, which was replacing Hebrew at the time of writing, is likely the language of Jesus of Nazareth. Now, not just that. I mean, there, there's some Septuagint in there as well. One of the fascinating things, too, a lot of times it would be in Hebrew or Aramaic, but when it came to the Tetragrammaton, it would be in Paleo-Hebrew which is incredible. and done a lot of work on Paleo-Hebrew over the years. In September 2016, scientists used a computer to create a virtual unwrapping of previously unreadable scroll at Ingidi. This means that going forward, scientists and scholars may be able to read a scroll that have yet to be opened between 209 and 214. 70 alleged fragments were discovered under mysterious circumstances. Steve Green, the evangelical Christian heir of the Hobby Lobby fortune, Bought some of the finds, but experts claim the scrolls were fake specifically to reinforce American evangelical beliefs. Now, he believes that, but I'll tell you, Emmanuel Tov, who's considered the leading scholar on this in the world, he does. He thinks they're legit. One alleged fragment of Leviticus reflects the Bible's injunctions against homosexuality. Um, and everything that we can find, you feel the person who's behind it. They've got them, uh, like, remaking some of the shattered jars here, too. Seven skulls have been found in 1953, giving the cave its name, the Cave of Skulls. 216 excavation turned up everyday items such as wooden columns, pieces of leather, sandals, and on and on and so forth. So, pretty amazing and it ends with this picture of the scroll of the book. So just an absolutely um, dramatic find. I believe it was ordained by God to prove the validity of the Old Testament because you've got things well over a thousand years older than the oldest manuscripts before, and it had always been contended they couldn't copy them correctly, but there were three different scribal schools before the Masoretes, and we now see that all of them did, in fact, do them correctly, copy them correctly. So again, thanks for being here. Check out our playlist, subscribe, and we love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.